Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today's no exception. We have a great guest, but first, a quick thank you to our sponsor. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is brought to you by International Coffee Farms. International Coffee Farms grows and sells specialty coffee in Boquete, Panama. They now have 11 fully operational coffee farms and they are 100% sold out. They are accepting reservations for farm number 12. If the idea of owning a safe, diversified offshore investment is intriguing to you, check out International Coffee Farms at internationalcoffeefarms.com. That's internationalcoffeefarms.com. We are back here on the weekend edition. We have a great guest all the way from Denver, Colorado. Adam, AAA Adams, great to see you again. How are you doing today? Wonderful. We're here in Miami at the Family Office Club Super Summit. What I wanted to talk about today is, you know, we met in Denver, you raise capital, you're involved in multifamily. Why would a guy from Denver come all the way to Miami to hang out with a group called the Family Office Club? Uh, yeah, good question. We were thinking when we decided to come here originally, the main thing that we were considering is we've got to somehow establish a relationship with family offices that are worth a billion dollars that want to invest in things that they don't have to control so passively, right? So we were thinking... Wouldn't that be so brilliant if we went over to Richard Wilson's family office super summit and made these connections and maybe not this year, but maybe a year or two down the road, we will be doing such a large volume and so many deals that we need somebody to just strike one check for like 10, 20, 30 million dollars so that we can close on one deal uh, and split the equity that way. So we, that's what we decided we're going to need to be coming here. So I'm here this week in Miami, just trying to keep those relationships so that down the road, it will work out for us. I like what you said here in the sense that you're not playing the short game. Like you don't come to an event like this if you need the money by Friday. This is the long game. This is relationship building. And one of the things that was said over and over again from stage from many of the presenters, many of the folks that represent families of tremendous wealth is they'll take six months, a year, two years to build a relationship before they'll pull the trigger on doing a transaction with someone. So maybe let's talk a little bit about your outlook. I know you're investing in multifamily, you're looking for deals all over the country. At any given point in time, you need to do two things. You need you need to find deals, you need to find money. You need to find deals, you need to find money. And at some point, you're going to be out of balance on one of those or the other. So where are you today? Are, where, where are you out of balance? Because guaranteed you are at some point. No, you're absolutely right. This is a good lesson for anybody, right? That you think that you don't need to raise money. Or maybe you know that you need to raise money. Maybe somebody's told you, but it just doesn't really make sense in your brain because you don't have a deal. So what would you say? So you're absolutely right. You, you got to do one. You always are out of balance with one or the other. But the time to raise money is always that's the time to raise money is now and tomorrow and an hour from now and at lunch and when you're at the supermarket, you're always at least mentioning what you do because you want to strike up those relationships and it's better to at least control one of the two things. Okay, you're always out of balance, but if you can control the money, the deals will probably come to you faster than if you don't have any money. And the same thing would go the other way. If you can control the deals, if you have all of the deals, the money's probably going to start following you if you let enough people know what you're doing. One of the things that I often hear from investors is if they have money burning a hole in their pocket, they will lower their standards and deploy the money because they feel under pressure 
to deploy the money. And in particular, folks that have established a fund where the money is expecting a return on that investment, but it's earning zero while it's in the bank account if it's not actually being put to work. What are your thoughts on that? Do you feel pressure to deploy? The truth is, yeah, we feel pressured. We feel a lot of pressure. We want to make sure that it comes out. But at the same time, you have to be extremely careful because that pressure, although you feel it, you, you just can't act on it. You just cannot just go ahead and buy any deal. You still need a certain level of due diligence, a certain return to your passive investors. And so it's been very difficult. And and actually, that might be why we're talking here is because you see me saying, I've got all these investors that need a deal to place and I can't find a deal good enough for me to feel comfortable for it. So you know, who has a deal? Who, who else out there has a deal? Of course, we'll still do our underwriting on the deal and our background checks on the operator, but we need to find that deal. We do feel the pressure. It doesn't mean we'll make a bad decision, but I think a lot of people have that opportunity to make the bad decisions on accident because they go too quickly. You know, I'm glad to hear that. I had a conversation a couple of months ago with quite a prominent syndicator, someone who does a lot of transactions, has a lot of units in the portfolio. And he took the point of view and he said, look, if people are willing to spend money, even at these crazy prices, who am I to tell them they're wrong? And I really have a, an opposing view to that. I, you know, just because people are paying high prices today doesn't mean that I should lower my standards, doesn't mean you should lower your standards. These things go in cycles, they average over time. And just because we're in a hot market now doesn't mean that we should succumb to that pressure, succumb to that insanity, if you will. You know, often people go in search of value. You know, they will go further afield, they will go into other markets. Um, what's your perspective on that? Because, you know, when, you, when you're when you going to do something, like you said, you've got to vet the deal, you've got to vet the people, but I think you also need to vet the market. I mean, you're completely right about that. Um, the market is probably one of the biggest parts of this whole transaction is making sure that the market is sustainable for a long while. What I would say on that is we're always underwriting new markets. We're always talking to the Chamber of Commerce, the Economic Development, the Building Department. Uh, we're always studying the, you know, who's moving in, who's moving out, how many are moving, what are the jobs, what's the job diversification, what's the job, the new jobs that are coming in. That is a huge, huge thing, and you're right. We are right now, I, I don't know if desperate's really the word to use, but we're, we're something like that where we're opening up ourselves to different markets that we may not have understood that much about in the past and we have one person on the team that focuses a hundred percent on just market research and communicating with the chamber of commerce economic economic development to make sure that we understand what's happening in an area and so i would would say you're right do those three things Uh, underwrite the operator underwrite the property itself and the numbers and then the city so i love what you're saying i mean it's really those three fundamentals now the other thing that's missing of course is attracting the right people into your ecosystem. You put an awful lot of effort into putting yourself out there in social media. Uh, You do a lot of event-based marketing. I'm actually a big believer in event-based marketing because it takes that online component and brings it offline into the real world. That's where real business happens. It's not business doesn't happen online. It happens offline. So talk a little bit about that. You've made some huge investments there in both time and money. What's, What's the game plan there? Yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, We're still working on the game plan to be just 
totally honest. Um, I'm a big believer like you are in event-based marketing. And so although we may not truthfully have every answer today, we may not truthfully know exactly where it's going to go. We know for sure we need to be in front of people. So, so we've actually hosted uh, somewhere between 200 and 300 events over the last two years, all but two of them free. Right now, our focus is bringing in the greatest speakers, never selling, and just adding value because no matter what, if we're doing those things, we will have a leverage, some type of interpersonal bank that we, w- that we have some capital sitting there that we could deploy or, or use or ask for at any point in the future. So right now, uh, we have been hosting events conferences. And the truth is, again, we don't know exactly where we're going to be, but we know that this is necessary to get there. My friend Robert Helms at one time ran a RIA in Silicon Valley, which is a very hot market. There's a lot of money there. And when the events were at a very low price point or they were free, you would routinely get a thousand people to show up. And out of that thousand people, there were maybe about 100 that were really the folks that he wanted. And when he increased the price, he only got about 100 people, but they were the right 100 people. And so I'm curious to know if you've actually segmented that, been your experience, you've done a lot of events at this point. How have you figured out not just how to get people in the room, but whether you're getting the right people in the room? How do you, have you really done anything to, to segment that yet? I'm really glad you asked that because um, I never thought about it. I just wanted the most amount of people at my events. You know, I wanted to add the most amount of value to the most amount of people so that they told their friends. Uh, however, now that you've said that, and I realize that we've had both, um, we've had a, a lot of people at a lot of free events, and not too many of them are the right people. That is very true. And I realized that we just hosted this conference where we had our highest prices we've ever had. We had 304 pay, 304 people pay to be there. And in fact, I made the most amount of amazing connections myself by hosting this three-day event than than I have the other two years of hosting uh, 200 free events. If you think about the event that we just participated in here this week in Miami, you know, we had almost almost a thousand people in the room, but the bar to participate here was pretty high and the quality was extraordinarily high. I mean, that's one of the things that I was struck by is there weren't an awful lot of rookies or wannabes or folks that didn't belong in this room. The quality of folks were was very high people here to get deals done, folks with the ability to get deals done. That's the thing that struck me the most about this week. And, you know, the event that you held a couple of weeks ago in Denver, I think the quality was quite high there as well, both in terms of the speakers, but also the attendees. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I I mean, like I said, they were the best attendees that I've had so far in two years of hosting almost 8,000 people per year. Uh, And those 300 people were, in my opinion, incredible. But you mentioned this about all the speakers. I mean, you were one of the incredible speakers. Richard Wilson was one of the incredible speakers. Kathy Fedke. There were some really big names. And if there's anybody that's in real estate and they're really doing real estate and studying real estate and trying to follow the people that are doing the most, that's probably why they came to this event. So it's it's not just the 
it might not just be the ticket price, but it may also be who I had on stage. Absolutely. I mean, quality does attract quality. There's no question. So, you know, if you didn't have some of those big names, would you have attracted all the other speakers? It's, it's a good question. And uh, oftentimes, if you say, well, I've had, you know, fill in the blank, big name speaker, that will attract other big name speakers to be on that same stage. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Had, uh, we had a chance to talk with Grant Cardone a little bit earlier today. He's someone who uh, is maybe a little bit of a controversial figure. He's certainly producing a tremendous amount of content, about three pieces of new video content per day. So he's got a film crew following him around almost all the time. So he's really leveraged social media in a very significant way, perhaps uh, as much as anybody, certainly in the real estate world, as much as anybody. Uh, the only person I think who produces more video contents may, may be Gary Vaynerchuk, but he's in the digital marketing world, so I would expect that. Uh, wh- what did you learn from Grant today? As far as utilizing social media, the two people that have actually been following for over a year, well over a year, and I was already trying to be on social media, but from Grant and from Gary, I just try to implement everything that they've been doing and one thing that I'll say to the listener is that, man, if you really focus on spending that time and attention on social media to just at least say to your audience what you're doing, to your friends, what's going on today. Today, I posted three times on social media. Most people wouldn't even think to do it one time a week, right? And today alone, I did three times on social media. I did a live, I'm here with you, and I I did another one. So in my opinion, you learn the most from watching people do what they do, not what they say. So whatever Gary and whatever uh, Grant are telling you is irrelevant to me. It's trying to do exactly what they're doing because I know that's what's going to give me the results. I love that. So folks want to get in touch or if they want to attend some of your events, what's the best way? The best way to find us, go to realbluespruce.com. That's R-E-A-L-B-L-U-E-S-P-R-U-C-E.com. And that, if they go to the events tab, they'll see all of our events. If they go to the podcast tab, they'll see our podcast. If they go and search me, they'll find my email. So that's really the best way, realbluespruce.com. Thank you for this, Adam. And for the listeners at home, if you haven't connected with Adam yet, definitely check him out at realbrucebruce.com. Check out his podcast. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. 